the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Hello, this is the Live Big Broadcast. Today we will hear a classic message from Bishop Greer. We believe this word will bless you, so let's get into this classic teaching. Father, open eyes and ears. Father, I don't want to just talk at folks today. I want them to catch it. Father, I pray there's an impartation and uh, a catching of the truth that's, that's being laid out and demonstrated today in the life of Joseph. And we give you all the honor and all the praise in advance. And we all say what? Amen. All right. Genesis 37 and verse 5. Now, Joseph had a dream. Joseph here is about 17 years old. He's transitioning from being a child and and becoming a young man. And frankly, I I really don't think that he thought through what he was about to do next. He says he has this dream, and then he goes and tells it to his brothers. Now, you know, he was excited about the dream that God had given him, and I understand that. And as a youngster, you know what, uh, we could be fast on excitement, but, you know, uh, and a little slow on wisdom here. You know, he he really didn't think it through, and the reality is he probably didn't have enough life experience to to realize that although you might share the same family, you might come from the same neighborhood, you might even be part of the same political party, but everyone will not necessarily like you. Everyone's not necessarily rooting for you. And he, he kind of had to learn this the hard way. You might be the ripest, juiciest, sweetest plum in the pantry. But here's the deal. Some people still hate plums. And you might be the very best, but it's just not everybody's taste. So, so this is what I kind of say to myself. You know, Derek, everyone's not going to like you because everyone doesn't have taste. Yeah. And that comforts me. Everyone's not always going to get you and like you. Everyone's not blessed, you know, with, with, the, with the, the, the spirit of appreciation the way they are. He said he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Earlier verses tell us that they were already jealous of Joseph because he was daddy's favorite. Uh, and, but, but when he told him this dream, it was, it was over the top. It was too much. I went to a play in New York. We, we watched the Bronx Tale, my wife and I, Ken and Brenda. And they said something interesting here. They, they said this, most people want to see you do good, just not better than them. So people want you to have money, just not a dollar more than they have. They want you to have friends, but not one more friend than, than that. That's just the way people tend to be. So he said to them, and it's not surprised that little Jojo here opens his mouth and youth wisdom and humility are very rare. Uh, here's, here's a tip though. 
unless you can fight like Muhammad Ali, uh, it's probably not a good idea to open your mouth like Ali. Joseph, though, says, please hear this dream, which I've dreamed. I've had to learn this the hard way, and and I'm not, I'm, I'm careful about even coming off like I'm criticizing Joseph. You know, just because you grew up together, maybe you laughed together, worked together, might even have traveled together, that doesn't necessarily make a person your friend. What I've learned in life, we don't really lose friends. We just learn over time who our real ones are. So he's, he's talking to his brothers, and the Bible says you don't throw your pearls before swine. You just don't do it. Everyone's not ready for what's going on in your life, and everyone's not on your team. You say, well, that doesn't sound real cute and churchy. It's true, and it's real. And uh, we, we need wisdom to live this life. He said, please hear this dream. He said, there we were, binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And we have a picture of what that might have looked like. And your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. What was Joseph thinking? I mean, his older brothers, by the way, these are his older brothers. They're already envious, already insecure, already jealous, but he throws gasoline on the fire. Obviously, he's not thinking about what he's doing, but uh, this is sometimes what happens with being 17. And his brother said to him angrily, shall you indeed reign over us? They understood exactly what the dream signified and exactly what, what Joseph was saying. Shall you indeed have dominion over us? What God was trying to show Joseph was that one day he was going to make it to the top and, and this dream would come to pass. But the, the issue is Joseph at this point was too young to realize God usually has to take us down before he takes us up. So he, he didn't understand God's road. And, you know, God promises some great things at the end of the road, but they're going to be some winds, some ups and downs, hills and valleys and all the rest. And he didn't understand all that. So when he said it, the Bible says they hated him even more for his dream and then also for his word. So his cockiness just gave them an excuse to hate him even even more. And, and at this point, the brothers look for any opportunity to knock him down a peg and to bring him down. And uh, again, we, you know, people might not like us, but let's not give them an excuse. Let's not feed the, the situation. Joseph, again, didn't have that type of wisdom yet. Genesis 37 and 23. Let's do a little skipping. We have a lot to cover. So it came to pass when Joseph, is it okay? We're learning, digging in here. All right. When Joseph had come to his brothers, we seldom realize how deeply we impact and affect people. And we we can also be a little bit naive. And uh, Joseph comes up to his brothers and you know, he's not really taking the temperature the way he ought to get. He's only 17. He's, he's feeling his oats and, and all the rest. And he's totally unsuspecting. He, he's probably ready to hug and kiss each of his, his brothers in the customary Middle Eastern way. You know, typical brotherly affection. He walks up to them and, and then he feels ice and a coldness come from them. And immediately he, he sees by their face something's wrong. And immediately the youngster's out there all by himself. Daddy's not there. Matter of fact, daddy's about 100 miles away. Camp is about 100 miles away. What's about to happen, you know, no one's going to be able to spy and tell daddy when they get home. So uh, he, he is absolutely terrified by what's about to take place. So he comes to his brothers 
And immediately, before they do anything, they stripped him of his tunic. Now, you know the narrative, you know the story here. This tunic was given to him by his father, and it was a token of his father's affection. His daddy, you know, was a little bit older, and when he was a younger man and and busier when he raised the other boys, but now he's more sedentary. And he took a lot of time with Joseph, and and he gave Joseph this special coat. And, And then it goes on to describe it a little bit more. It says it was a tunic of many colors that was on him. Now, that might not seem like a big deal to you, but if you were one of the brothers, it might be, because you were wearing a plain, short-sleeved, ankle-length tunic, and that, that's all you had. So 12 of them were dressed like that, but little Jojo <laughs> got to wear this, this colorful, probably long-sleeved, ankle-length coat, typically worn by either royalty or, or ex- the extremely wealthy. And every time he walked into the room, it was apparent that daddy loved them more. And every time they saw him, they wanted to strangle him with that suit of many colors. So immediately they take the coat from him because that's that represented the father's affection. And we can dig in there and talk about a lot of things, but let's keep moving. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. The only reason Joseph was thrown into this pit was really because of the love of his father. And everyone's not going to always appreciate the way God loves us, the way God treats us, the way God favors us. Frank, I don't know why God loves me. I can't explain, you know, why he, he takes time to care about me and think about me, all, all the rest. But, but don't get mad at me because he does. Just you walk close enough with God so you can have the same experience too. I mean, it's just common sense. I mean, if God's out there loving people, your attitude be so, well, let me make myself available so he can love on me too. It's not rocket science. It's look at, listen, here's the deal. See, y- y'all, y'all know me as the bishop and everything. Y'all don't know me. If God could love me, he can love anybody. And that has to be our mentality. When we see God loving on people that got problems, Joseph was a braggadocious. Joseph was maybe a little stuck up. Joseph probably had the big head. But here's the deal. God could love him. And you're not braggadocious. And you don't have a big head. Why wouldn't he love you? So here's the deal. When I see people, God loving crazy people, it encourages me. I really, I know y'all might think different. I don't get jealous. I'm like, praise the Lord. If he could do that with that person, I'm going to be okay. The Bible says, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So there was no water for Joseph to drown in, but he also came from a very, very long journey about, again, roughly 100 miles. So there was also no water to drink there. So, you know, he's parched, he's, he's been beat up. They didn't just gently throw him in there and, and you can break, twist ankles and all the rest when you get thrown into a pit that deep. And, and typically that, you know, when you get into those holes, uh, scorpions and, and serpents, they wanted to be where the water was. And typically when it rains, these cisterns are, are full of moisture. So there were snake holes in the wall, scorpion holes in the wall. There might even been some snakes down there when he, when he fell in. So, so here he is in this pit. Um, no water in it, but watch what they do in verse 25. And they sat down to eat a meal. And we see the callousness of these other brothers. I mean, their brothers crying out, their, their brothers yelling for help, and they still have an appetite. They can still 
eat a meal. And, and here's the deal, though. We can surprise ourselves how far we can go when we let our insecurities get the best of us. See, you got to understand, I know you're saved and some of y'all are super saved, but <laughs> even though you're super saved, good and evil exists in all our hearts. And it's the side we feed most that wins. And here's the deal. The brothers would constantly talk about Joseph. That's why you got to be mindful. And it's amazing when you walk into the room and someone's been talking about you, you can almost feel it. You know what happens is when they start talking about you, there's a hardness of heart that comes. And it's just they're not as people become less and less receptive and more callous towards you. And it's amazing. The more you talk about someone on the phone and the rest, when you see them, you almost can't smile at them. Because there's a hardness and a callousness. So these guys have been feeding the worst about themselves and talking each other into the worst part of themselves. And then he shows up and there's just a hardness of heart. That's why even married people, you have to be mindful about calling your girlfriend or your buddy all the time. Talk about your wife or your husband. Because those unless that person's there to help, that conversation is just going to harden your heart a little bit more. So after that conversation with your girlfriend, when he comes in the room, there's just a coldness and, and you just want to grab him and he don't even understand where all that come from or vice versa. So, so I'm, I'm learning that, you know, you got to, as much as possible, kind of keep your language sweet about people. Now, there are times you do have to talk to people about situations and, and you have friends that you can lean on. But again, get constructive friends that are going to point you in the right direction. Okay, not just, again, feed the worst part of you. It says, then they lifted their eyes and looked. And they're eating this meal and, and they're, they're laughing. And, and I'm sure Joseph feels mocked by the laughter. Uh, he's hungry. He's just traveled. He's thirsty and, and they've not offered him anything. And, and they're just, you know, having a ball and they lift up their eyes and look and, and they saw this company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, uh, balm and myrrh. And they were on their way to carry them down to Egypt. Again, God often has to take us down before he brings us up. What here looked like, this is important though, because we're all going to have journeys like this at times and, and, and forks in the road like this. What looked like the ruin of Joseph was the road God used to build and to sharpen Joseph. That's why you got to be careful about the things you run from. Because when you run from it, you're just going to find it again further down the road because God's trying to prepare you for something. If you keep running from the preparation, when you get to that place in the road where, where, where God wanted to put his hand on you and, and promote you, you will not be able to step into the promotion. If you're like me, I, I spent a lot of my life trying to run from stuff that God was trying to use to build me. But I've learned, you know what, Lord, if this is the, the way I got to go, the door I got to go through to get to what you have for me for the, on the other side, Lord, I'm going to go through that door. I, I'm going I'm to climb that wall. I'm going I'm to I'm go through that valley, whatever I got to do, Lord, because I, I, ultimately I, I need your approval. Ultimately, I, I want to step into what you have for me. And, and yeah, it, it might hurt me a little bit for a season, but, but ultimately uh, it, it's going to work for the good. Here, here's the deal. Failure and success are on the same road. It's important. Success is typically just a little further down the road. But we give up at the first two or three failures. I mean, you come into this walk with God. Guess what? You're going to fail. Guess what? You're going to mess up. But here, here's the deal. Stay on the road. 
stay on it, and a little bit further down the road, you're going to get some freedom, and that thing ain't going to come back again. But it, you got to crawl before you walk, and you're going to fall a few times before you, you, you can run, and that's just part of life. Verse 28. Then Midianite travelers passed by, so the brothers pulled up, and they, they lifted him out of the pit, not out of mercy. Watch what they do. And sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They didn't even sell him for the going rate. The going rate was 30 shekels of silver, according to Moses. That's why Jesus was sold for 30 shekels of silver. Uh, that's the price of a slave. And uh, they, they were just trying to get rid of him at any cost. They sold him at a discount. And they, they just wanted Joseph out of their life and out of their hair. And they took Joseph, watch this, to Egypt. Again, it looked like Joseph was going down. But actually, this going down was God's way of setting him up. They took him down to Egypt. God's promises are sure. But often it's the road he takes us that gets us confused. Often, you know, we say, well, Lord, you told me that you're going to one day get me over there. But he then leads you this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And you're like, I thought I was supposed to be going over there. Well, what you don't know is he has to condition you so that when you get over there, you'll be strong enough to handle it. Yeah. Do, do, do you understand? Yeah. He knows what over there requires. So he's like, hey, hey, I'm going to take you through some rough spots, some down spots. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do a lot of it where no one can see. It's just you and your friends. But you see, when you get over there, everybody's going to see. So you can mess up on this road, this part of the journey, because it's not so public. So I'm going to hide you in this season. But listen, make all the mess ups now. So when you get over there, you don't fail in public because when, when, you, when you're over there, people are going to be watching you. People are going to be looking at some people are going to be trying to pull you down. So God knows what's over there for your life. And in order to get you there, he designs a certain course. Just like, you know, those fitness folks, uh, you know, they, they, you have a certain goal. Say, I really want to be buff. It's like, really? Okay. That's going to cost you. You're going to start doing this. And tell me, what does this motion holding ropes have to do with muscles in your arms? Yeah. I mean, all, all the, the, the squats and all the rest. I mean, it's an uncomfortable position. It doesn't make any sense. Who in their right mind just does this? No one does this unless you're trying to, to get something. And see, here's the deal. God makes you do what seems like stupid stuff to condition you for where he's taking you. He knows the muscles you're going to need to use. He's going to know what needs to be strong in you. So he designs a journey to build you so that when you get over there, you can stand. And after doing all to stand, continue to stand. But you got to submit to the journey. Genesis 39. We're covering a whole lot of space today. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. Watch this. An Egyptian. You see, Joseph knew Hebrew. The problem was he didn't know Egyptian. An Egyptian was what was in his future. Do, do you understand? Yes, sir. And you would think, you know, God sent him a tutor. Sent him a pretty tutor. You know, uh, with great perfume. So he can learn Egyptian and, and learn the Egyptian ways. But here's the deal. Joseph was a pampered favorite son. And God had to deal with the softness in that boy. Okay. God has some things for some of you, but you're too soft. 
The first sign of trouble, you're going to run away or, or fall apart or, or break out into tears. God knows what you need when you get over there. So in his wisdom, sometimes he takes you through pain, takes you through difficulty. All of that is to condition you. Listen, when a soldier goes, well, I'm not a soldier, but my daddy was a soldier. And you go to basic, you, you go to uh, uh, basic training. Thank you. And basic training is a whole lot nicer than when my dad went to basic training. And they treat you bad, not because the sergeant hates you, but because we live such pampered lives that in, if we're going to survive in the jungle, we got to know how to move forward when our bodies hurt. We, we need to know how to handle hurt feelings. We, we, we need to know how to persevere. We need, need to know how to be uncomfortable because that master sergeant, whatever he was called, knew what the jungle would require of you in Vietnam and those other places. They put you what felt like hell and you almost felt like that sergeant hated you. And there will be moments in your life that it will feel like God hates you. And it's not that he hates you. He's trying to prepare you. He's trying to save your behind from what's ahead. And if you submit to the process and stop running. And, and you know, I'm not following God anymore because it didn't work out. Ah, you're never going to be able to go over there. You're never going to build the muscles and the strength and the conditioning you need to serve to the capacity God wants you to serve. As long as you're in and out and, and running. So watch what God did. This seems cruel. He went from, again, a pampered son wearing this great robe and everyone applauding him when he comes in the room, except his brothers, of course, but all the servants did. And he couldn't do any wrong with daddy. Uh, pampered favorite son. God allowed him to become a piece of personal property. You say, how could God be so cruel? Here's something I learned. When life doesn't get easier, it's often because God's trying to toughen you up for something later. And I know we want easy, but later requires tough. So in his wisdom, see, God's a good father. I couldn't do what God has done to me to my children. Uh, I don't have the guts, but I also don't know the way God knows. See, God knows everything about you. He knows what's in you. He knows how much is in you. And he, he knows how to extract it. So in his wisdom, sometimes he leads us into difficult situations and circumstances, not because he's abandoned us, but because he's making us into what we need to be, ultimately. You still with me? And Potiphar bought him. Now, you know, we could talk about a lot of different things, and, and the passage is, is, is rich and full of a lot of information. But here's the deal. Joseph was going to eventually serve on Pharaoh's court. So what did God do? Sent him to someone that worked in Pharaoh's court. Potiphar worked for Pharaoh. He was his security guy, one of his generals, if you will. And you see, God will take you places to, to prepare you for where you're going. But you say, well, Lord, take me there so now I could be the boss. No, he went there, but he had to serve. And only as he served did he learn the ropes and what it would take for him to serve Pharaoh eventually. And also by him being in this house, he was privy to conversations. He was privy to, to protocol that you wouldn't learn anywhere else. So in the midst of a terrible situation, as far as Joseph is concerned, I'm no longer free. I'm not in my daddy's house. My brothers have rejected me. God is actually using this situation to teach him and to train him. 
And there may be some situations you're in that you want to get out of. Lord, get me, get me out of here. But God is trying to teach you and trying to train you. He knows what over there looks like. And all of this is positioning you to get to where God wants you to go. And Potiphar bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Again, God has to take us down before we go up. But here's the verse that blew my mind. Uh, and that was applied. It got me angry the first time I read this verse because it was cutting right into a situation in my life and my heart. And I know it was a word for me. Verse two says this. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, my question was, how could God be with Joseph? And such horrible things are happening to Joseph. I mean, what type of God are you? That a free man becomes a slave and then you describe that as you being with that person. So in my mind, I was thinking, Lord, I don't know if I really want you to be with me. I'm being frank. But then the next verse gets even more confusing. Then the Holy Writ says, and he was a successful man. How can you be successful as a slave? Working if someone tells you to stop. Only eat what other people tell you to eat. You live where someone tells you to live, and, and you sleep only as long as someone lets you sleep. How is that success? Obviously, God doesn't see success the way you and I see success. You see, success is not measured by how many people are serving you, but how well you're serving others. I know that mess, Dad. I know, I know, I know. Success is supposed to be that million dollars, that lottery card. No, 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 no. To God, success is not how many people are serving you. How well you serve somebody else is what makes you successful in life. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Breer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian, or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.